I've always found a fully deployed battle group to be the most effective negotiator. Welcome you back to another episode of Drive Back the Night, an Andromeda series podcast. I'm Ryan Mazzocco. I'm Ethan Maestri. And here we are, episode number 60, The Point of the Spear. Ethan, we got a lot to talk hey, about. can I stop you right there, Ryan? Well, you I, just did. I know we just set up to record this and all, and I know we've really been looking forward to this, but I don't feel quite right. I, okay. It's all right if I'm excused. No. Well, I don't, like I just said, I don't quite feel right I for know, this. but we, the... we just got set up. We've kind of taken some time off. Yeah. I think that, I mean, you should have thought of this ahead of time. Look, we're, well, I'm here. can't quite help it. We I need mean... to get, you know, look, you just need to get your, your act together, and we just need to get through this, power through it for an hour, and then you can go lay down in your bed or okay. go in your okay. arboretum or wherever you're going to go. You know I'll get through this. Okay. All right. all right. All right. Sorry for being so hard on you, but we just need to do this. All right. Well, okay. Uh as I was saying, I apologize to the listeners for that. Um, episode 60, The Point of the Spear. So here we Just are. Just the point. Yeah. Not really a whole lot to do as far as uh, introduction, I guess. Um, do you think you can you can keep your attention long enough to go ahead and give us some trivia? I can do trivia. All right. Yeah, we can definitely All get right. that done. So trivia for Point of the Spear. We have, uh, as our guest actors for this episode, Kevin Oji. I'm going with that as the last name pronunciation. He plays Lieutenant Frymeyer. While he unfortunately pulls a Jamal Brown in this episode and bites it as a pilot, he will return for a further role in Andromeda in a future season. He also has multiple roles in Stargate SG-1 as Oshu and Yu's First Prime. He appears as Russell Sato in The Man in the High Castle, and his film appearances include blockbusters like 2014's Godzilla and The Butterfly Effect and Elektra. So does that mean that Frymeyer isn't really dead? <laughs> we will see him in a future episode. That's all I'm going to say at this point. Right all right. But we'll, we'll be certain to point out that it is Frymeyer in another form. Oh, okay. When that does uh, transpire. We also have Paul Campbell, who plays Crewman Bolas. This is an early role for him. But he would make a bigger splash in sci-fi playing Billy Kikia. <laughs> I don't even know this last name. Kikia? For, the, for several seasons of the rebooted Battlestar Galactica series. I have watched this, and I think I remember his role as the uh, elected president's uh, aide. I think that was his role in it, but I don't remember his last name, so I'm, I know I'm messing up the last name. But uh, he was known as Billy and referred to frequently in that series, Battlestar Galactica. So uh, that is Paul Campbell. We also have Robert Clark. He plays Admiral Hamsa. He's a working actor, and he has a long list of credits, including among them, uh, much to my pleasure, Larry the IT Guy in the sci-fi series Eureka, which I happen to love as those of you listening have probably heard me say before. Jody Thompson 
She plays Azazel. She also has multiple uh, sci-fi credits, among them Glennis in Blade the Series and Devon in the 4400. Samsara. Are you familiar with that word, Samsara? I mean, it's, it's two names put together. Sam and Sarah. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I had a thought when I was first watching this and they were saying Sam, Sarah. Mm-hmm. I was wondering if they were referring to Sam Sorbo yep. and Sarah as her named character right. in, in the series. I was wondering if it was just a combination mm-hmm. of that. It is not. Oh, okay. Sam, Sarah is a Sanskrit word that means wandering or world. And it bears the connotation of cyclic or circuitous change. It also refers to the concept of rebirth and the cycle of life. So, kind of an interesting name there. I, I, um, yeah, I appreciate it. I would say they took some uh, literary irony there. Uh, a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yes, they did. Tyr has a quote in this episode. Uh, the full quote that he is to ravage, to slaughter, to usurp under false titles. They call empire, and where they make a desert, they call it peace. I think he uses just the last part of that. Mm -hmm. They make a desert and they call it peace. That is actually a quote from Agricola, and it's a historical work by the Roman orator and senator Publius Tacitus, one of antiquity's greatest historians. So that's what I've got for trivia for this episode, Point of the Spear. All right. Hey, thanks, Ethan, for that trivia. Uh, Without further ado, uh, let's go ahead and get on with the show and let's go ahead and move on with the summary. Let's move on with the summary. Hey, Ethan. Oh, yeah. Oh. I don't know what your problem is, but now you're making it mine. Sorry, man. Uh, summary. Point of the spear. Yeah, got it. Got it. I'm, I'm focused now. We find Andromeda orbiting the colony world of Samsara. The Pyrians have dropped atmospheric generators on the planet and have begun converting the atmosphere into one more conducive to what the Pyrians breathe. Not good for the colonists already there and comfortable breathing an oxygen-rich atmosphere. Not to worry, Dylan orders a missile attack and the generators are destroyed in short order. This produces a quick response from the Pyrians. A large Pyrian fleet drops into the system with a fresh batch of generators. The blockade Dylan called for won't arrive for several more hours, and so they are on their own facing the Pyrian fleet. Before Andromeda begins to engage, the Pyrians send a message via an oddly familiar spokeswoman. The message, the Pyrians will not be deterred. Once the message concludes, Trance claims to feel sick and asks to be excused. Before returning to the Maru, though, she encounters Tyr in an oddly ominous exchange. Both threaten, but no answers are divulged. For the next three hours, Andromeda harasses the Pyrians, ordering the colonists on Samsara to evacuate and losing at least one slipfighter in the process. After hours of engagement, the Highguard fleet arrives. Just when it seemed good news had come their way, a message comes in from one of the evacuation ships. They need a tow. Becca, after hours in a slipfighter seat as wing commander, is in no condition to take the Maru out for a rescue mission. Tyr offers to go instead. With Trance still on board, the two rescue the evacuation ship, but not without more awkward interchange between the two. Trance just can't seem to focus on the task at hand, and Tyr is having none of it from her. Soon the High Guard fleet has the upper hand and has the Pyrian fleet corralled. After returning from his rescue mission, Tyr receives a mysterious package from their recently returned courier. Someone has sent Tyr a rare botanical gift, Draconia Vine Seeds, a beautiful but deadly creation of Drago Musevni's own design. It is also a plant 
thought to be long extinct. Who has sent these to Tyr, and why? Well, we'll have to table that for now. The Pyrians are up against the wall, and Dylan has a plan to finish them. With the plan in place, and executed, it appears all that is left is to mop up the remnants of the Pyrian fleet. Except that a new contingent of torch ships appears from the far side of the local star, and hands Dylan and their fleet their... butts. Dylan retreats to the ob's deck to lick his wounds. There, Rami reveals that it's almost as if the Pyrians knew exactly how all this was going to play out. A quick investigation finds an unusual signal being sent from inside Andromeda. In addition, word from High Guard Command indicates that the Pyrians are moving on worlds throughout the galaxies, just like at Samsara. War with the Pyrians appears inevitable and unwinnable. Dylan's sense that this is a test by the Pyrians becomes even harder to ignore. He determines that they have to make a stand at Samsara. Maybe, if they can do so successfully, they can stop the Pyrian advance. Tyr confronts Trance on the Maru. She comes clean about the mysterious signal. She has been in contact with her people, and the answers she got are not good. Her people no longer feel that the Commonwealth is capable of winning the coming war with the Magog worldship, so they've begun to help the Pyrians, believing them to be more capable of fighting the Magog. The fate of the Commonwealth is in Dylan's hands. All will be lost if he can't find a way to win here at Samsara. With his back against the wall, Dylan makes an unconventional choice. He directs all weapons to fire at Samsara, obliterating the planet and ending the battle. Having demonstrated the Commonwealth's resolve, the Pyrians back down and agree to join the Commonwealth at the bargaining table. By the way, Becca has been wrestling with her military leadership role. Tyr plants some seeds, and Dylan gives Trance the either you're with us or against us speech. The end. That was a fantastic reading of the summary, Ethan. Thank you. I was able to keep my focus through that. You were. That was that you was were. nice. Yeah. And uh, you know, I think I I know I, why. You know what? I, I'm feeling much better now. I'm glad yes. you told me to press on here. Yeah. Well, and I can see why. It's obvious. Um, ladies and gentlemen, that summary was brought to you by Sparky Cola. Hey, Sparky Cola. We got a reference. Product placement. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> For a product that doesn't really exist. Yeah. But yeah. it needs to. It should. I, I am kind of partial to Sparky Cola. Yeah. Just on reputation mm-hmm. alone. I mean, if, if Harper can handle it, I think I might try it at least once. Yeah. I mean, but can he? Oh, that's true. We yeah. don't really know. We've never seen him on Sparky Cola. Or we've never seen him off of it. <laughs> point. Yeah. I'm not sure. That's a, I mean, that's a valid point. <laughs> you know what? You might be you might you might be onto something there. What mm-hmm. is it that he keeps grabbing out of the Maru's uh cabinets? Uh, um, periodically he'll go to a cabinet on the Maru and he grabs something out of there. I don't think that's Sparky Cola, but uh it's definitely an amber liquid of some sort. Can I ask you a question? You can ask me anything. Okay. As long as it's a question. It is a question. Okay. And it's about the show, too. Okay. This particular episode. In the beginning of the episode, cast your mind back to that point. Who usually flies Andromeda? Who flies Andromeda? Yeah, physically stands at the station. Who typically flies Andromeda? Becca. Yeah. Okay. Correct. So What do I win? (laughs) uh, The next question. Excellent. So if Becca and Dylan are coming to command deck, coming to command deck, Mm -hmm. when Andromeda is already orbiting a planet, Mm -hmm. then what can we surmise that Andromeda and crew have been doing for the past few minutes or hours, perhaps even? Okay. Not flying. 
in, uh, in, in Becca is not on station, right? Yeah, maybe. So when we start the episode, Andromeda is calling for an alert as if they've just arrived in that system. And they're just becoming aware of the situation. Okay. Whereas the way I kind of read it starting off, it looked like they'd been in orbit of this planet already for a few minutes or a few hours. Okay. Becca's not on station. She's right. not flying the ship. Yeah. They look like they're coming from their crew quarters. Right. So I'm just wondering, I, we're, it's presented as if they've just arrived in system and now they're having to be on alert. Now. Because the the generators are already on the, on the planet, right? Yeah. So nothing has just happened that they need to be aware of. They're just... It, it's like as the episode starts out as if they're just orbiting the planet already. Okay, is the way I perceived it. Okay. I, am I am I incorrect? Am I reading too much into it? I don't think so. Okay, I, it just feels yeah. like the pacing was a, like they didn't quite know how to start this episode. <laughs> right. So so what you're saying is that if they just got there, then Becca needs to be at the helm. Yeah. But if they've been flying around, then none of this is a surprise. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Yeah, that is that is my point. That's what I couldn't get past when this episode starts out. Okay. All right. Well, I mean, here's the thing is that, and this kind of leads into one of my observations here, is that suddenly we have a crew. Everywhere. Right. <laughs> and that's actually, I have that written down. Crew, crew, everywhere, crew, crew. Yeah. All right? Exactly, yes. Um, I mean, this the, the ship is just filthy with crew this week. <laughs> All right, so I'm wondering if one of those crewmen possibly could have some experience in in Helm. Okay, okay, that's right. that's true. I, I I guess yeah, I could see that being the case. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's that's a good point, and I don't I don't guess we need to really argue this point anymore. Mm-hmm. Let's, there's other more interesting things to talk about. That that assuages me. Let's does, go. Does that answer the question? Yeah, then? yeah, it okay. kind of does. So. Crewman crew, Fuller. Crew, filthy with crew everywhere. Right. Yeah. Right. And he that's your answer. Slipstreams into the system. They jump in there. Yeah. And then. Let's say okay. Bolus was flying. No, let's no, put no. Frymeyer. Let's put Frymeyer in the seat. Well, I mean, I don't know if he could have got him there. <laughs> Based on what we've seen from his flying. The the five minutes of screen time? Yeah. Does he even have five minutes? I don't know. Maybe no, not even know. that. Um, yeah. In any case, no, I, I think the question's been answered. We can okay. move on from there. All right. Good. I like that. Um, let's see if you can answer a question of mine. Okay. Did you notice the Muppets cameo in this episode? I'm afraid I did not. Yeah. I don't think it was intended. I've never noticed this before, but for some reason, it was just sticking out like a sore thumb to me in this episode twice. The first time was when... The Andromeda was firing on the Perians for the first time. The camera swings around and pans on an exterior shot of the Andromeda. Yes. I swear, the Andromeda looked exactly like Gonzo. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I wish you could see this. We we might have to bring it up sometime, and I can show it to you. Do we need to pause? (laughs) Because I've got it right here. All right, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's pause, then. After further review... Yeah, I, I, I kind of see what you're talking about. Okay. Yeah, just a little bit. But you thought it looked more like E.T. 
Um, if I squint, mm-hmm. yeah, I can see ET in there. <laughs> All right, but there's definitely a face there. Uh, uh, definitely, uh, yeah, a non-human, yeah, I'm, I non-human can, anim- face. Anim- what is it? Anthropomorphize. I can't. I can't remember An- the word. Anthropom- anthropomorphic. Anthropomorphic. <laughs> right, yeah. that word. All right, I can do that with the uh, the ship there in that okay. shot. All right. I have a number for you. A precise number. Okay. 56,312. That's the the number that Becca mentions when they first arrive on command deck there. Um, But she says it while she's looking at the console as if she's reading it. I imagine they had to have a post-it note for Lisa Ryder so she would know exactly the number to to speak there. I thought that was interesting. What number was that? 56,312. To what was she referring? I I believe it's the colonists that she's referencing there. Oh, okay. Yeah. Is that all there were? 56,312. Okay. Yeah, it doesn't seem like that big of a colony, does it? It doesn't, because I'm glad that you brought that up, because I actually had transposed the numbers in my head. I never wrote it down, but I thought it was 300-some thousand. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, so Not it's 53. 56,000. 50, but 300. Okay, that's what I That's where I messed yeah. up. Was that three? I put that three. Anyway. Your dyslexia yeah, kicked in. I, apparently. Yeah, okay. Yeah, not not that big of a colony. So I guess it's not that far-fetched they could uh, evacuate it very quickly. Mm-hmm. Within, what, four or five hours, whatever it ended up being. Right. Yeah. Except for the ones that were on the medical ship. Right. Yeah. They can't move them. Well. Because they're. Not every ship's going to work perfectly. Sure. Yeah. Um, I do kind of wonder, though, if they can't move them, how did they get them on the medical <laughs> ship? Oh, uh, the people in beds? Is that what you're referring to? I guess so, yeah. Well, you know, maglev. Or, okay. or gravity, anti-gravity sleds. Okay. So there's, that... so there's a one-move limit. <laughs> yeah. Is that what we're saying? Yeah, that's what we're saying. Okay. Yeah. All right. Good to know. I want to talk about neutron bombs for just a minute. Okay. Okay. Are the, you're talking? You, these are the bombs that took out the Pyrian generators. No, these were the bombs that the Pyrians shot at the planet. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, so it was kind of the the diversion tactic, right? We can't fight both of them at the same. Do we save yeah. the colonists or do we fight the Pyrians? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so these neutron bombs, it is said that they only kill living things. Right. Yes. Can I repeat that? <laughs> they only kill living things. living things right well there could be an emp burst that takes out ai for other types of bombs okay so it would take out living and unliving animated objects well, well wait what do you mean <laughs> ai so you're saying that ai are not oh, living no, no, things? no no we are not having this discussion in this particular episode um that is my that is my next note under okay. the neutron bomb. So we're having this conversation. So you're saying, uh, that's what I want to know. Okay. Is do these neutron bombs, if they only take, it's 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 laid out, they only kill living things. Does that include AI? And if not, then can that statement really be accurate? Well, okay. That's, that is an, that is an interesting question. Um, yeah. We could go the rest of the night probably debating the finer points of that question because uh, okay a neutron bomb kills only living things the only word I can come up with that kind of short circuits this whole discussion that could happen is organic material okay that's the only thing I can think of all right well then I would say that our Andromeda crew is guilty of a microaggression 
<laughs> okay. Right? Against the AIs. Uh, yeah. Can't you see Rami saying, what do you mean only living things? Yeah. They wouldn't have killed me. Right. <laughs> and and then, then they stand around debating. Yeah. The validity exactly. of AI as life. Right. Okay. And they're distracted by that, and then the whole thing is destroyed. the take over. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, I guess, you know, what are we really getting at here is just, you know... AI's evil. I guess so. If you can't classify it, it's evil. <laughs> <laughs> it just a, a, another quick line uh, toward the end of that uh, opening segment. Dylan says, we'll show them lunch. Ew. That sounds like kind of a gross statement. <laughs> he says, what? He says, we'll show them lunch. Oh, all right. Yeah. I just, that, it, it's funny because they just feel like they're, they're picking any moment where they can drop in these little one-liners, especially yeah. for Dylan. Mm-hmm. And then this one to me is such a swing and a miss. I had to call it out. Mm-hmm. I just had to call it out. Uh, I just have one last observation here. Okay. Um, I just want to give a shout out to Hollow Rami. We got her back. Yeah, because we had that discussion, what, a couple of episodes yeah. back? It about seems like had... it's been a long time. Yeah. Since we've had on-screen Rami, and we've had Rami, the in, Avatar. In the... In the, in, in, in the, the you can't what, say flesh. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, the, yeah, she's there. Mm-hmm. Right. Do we want to get into that again? <laughs> no, no. no. Okay. Moving, right. moving along. Right. Moving on. Um, yeah, but we do have Hollow Rami. Yeah. Interesting. Right. You know what that says to me? What's that? Um, with Hollow Rami, um, with all of the crew, and uh, all the CG from all the, the explosions and the things go boom, and the ships flying around. Yeah. Right? Yeah. They found a lot of money for this episode, didn't they? They did. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. Hey. Yo. We got a new crew member. We got two new crew members. Sans one. <laughs> But uh, Freymeyer, you know, he bit it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, Bolas, Lieutenant, or not Lieutenant, but uh, Private. Was it Private? Could I, be. I forget his rank yeah. now. But Bolas was his name. Mm-hmm. We got a new guy. They gave him a name, mm-hmm. and he didn't die at the end of this episode. So I'm thinking I'm thinking we might see him again in a future episode. Yeah. Or two. Or five. It could be cool. Yeah. Yeah. Let's look forward to that. Let's keep an eye on that. All right. Remember that name. Bolus. bolus. That's going to be very, very important. I want forward. one of those. I want one of those hats too. A bolus hat. Yeah, yeah. That's what they call it, right? I think so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Bolus. I want a bolus hat. You would look good in a bolus hat. <laughs> yeah. I I tried wearing a Freimeyer hat. It was no good. All right. Now now we're just getting silly. Let's get serious now. Let's do that. All right. Um, so a little bit about what we learned about our universe. Now, maybe this is something that we've known already. It's a very, very small point, almost not even worth mentioning, but I'm going to go ahead and mention it just to kind of get started. Yeah. Um, Dylan mentions that the High Guard HQ is on Mobius. That's funny. This is my first point that I have written down as well. Yeah. Yeah. Mobius. Yeah. So. Where do we remember that planet from? Um, from this series. Yes, yeah. that's true. Yeah. Uh, what was it? First season where they go and the leader of Mobius is the he was like yeah, like a he dictator. Had a beef. Or, yeah, and he had a yeah. beef with Dylan specifically, right. a tyrannical leader. Yeah. yeah, 
Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And he so, kept himself alive by some unnatural means. Yes. Okay. Yes. See, that's what I thought it was. I didn't know for sure. Right. If right. we're both wrong, then I'm sure our listeners, hey, let's give them how, a reason to write in. How right? embarrassing would that be? But I know we're not. Okay. I know we're not. All right. Uh, but that's where we fir- first introduced the idea of Mobius. Mm-hmm. So I guess it is now. And, and I think we've had a reference or two to it in subsequent mm-hmm. shows. But it's nice to see that it actually did go ahead and come on into the New Systems Commonwealth. And not only that, as you mentioned, Highguard HQ is right there. Mm-hmm. That's kind of cool. Yeah, it is. And it's kind of a little bit of a surprise for me, just knowing how they left that world. Yeah. And the shape that it was in, right? Yeah, because it was a, a, a crazy dictator right. that was running the joint. Yeah. Um, I would have thought that it would, would have been somewhere like, uh, like Zinti or something. Yeah, letting the the Perseids kind of some somewhere a little more stable, maybe uh-huh. not fresh into the cause. Yeah, yeah, maybe has a nice central location, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But I mean, really, what is a central location when everything is on slipstream? Accessible by slipstream. Yeah. yeah, no doubt. No, that was that was kind of a cool. I appreciated it for the simple fact that the show remembered something from its yeah, past. Exactly, it's just some world building. Yeah. So now we know going forward. Hey, where is Highguard HQ? Mobius. It's in Mobius. Exactly. That's right. We know that because of that one episode, The Point of the Spear. Nice point. Something else we learned about that I thought was interesting, and we're going to talk about it for just a second. Dragonia vines. Okay. Interesting creature. Yeah. Is it a plant or is it a creature? Um, uh, it's a plant. I'm going to say it's a plant somewhere along the order of like the Venus flytrap. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm thinking, too. Okay. Uh, Dragomusevnis or Musevinis, <laughs> potato, potato. <laughs> right. It's his first genetical engineering it's, achievement. You have to you, you have to keep your mouth shut. Potato. <laughs> okay. It has an intoxicating scent, which if you get close enough to smell it, it kills you. Right. It strangles you to death with its vine. Tears. Uh, description of this plant I thought was brilliant. It's representative of the universe. Beautiful, but it wants to kill you. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. Yeah. I mean, the, the universe is a beautiful place. The world around us is, can be a beautiful place. If you've ever visited a place like, say, oh, Alaska, you don't go for long walks in the wilderness because a grizzly bear or a wolf mm-hmm. or a mountain lion might kill you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Shout out to uh, David, a friend in Alaska. That's why I picked that place. Right. But, um, but yeah, you know, it, it's... I, I love Tears saying here in his description of the Dragonia vine. I love the plant just because of that description. It's gorgeous, but don't get too close because it, it just wants to... It only has murder on its mind. Right. So, kind of an interesting... Uh, yeah, just an interesting little thing right. in our universe that we learned about. Right. I think... Um we should probably give a shout out to our friends in Australia. Okay. Because that can be a dangerous place as well. That is true. Yeah. That is, I will not go swimming in that ocean around <laughs> Australia for sure. Yeah. Or in the rivers. Or in the rivers. Yeah. That's true. Just anywhere There's, in Australia. Yeah. From what I can see on Discovery Channel. Walking. Just don't go down walking there. Walking anywhere? Yeah. yeah. No. No? No. Right. Um, do they have hyenas there? No, they don't have hyenas. No. Um, They've got, that's Africa. That's Africa. Yeah. You're, you're right. I've seen the Lion King. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, no. Oh, I know what I'm thinking of. The dingoes. Yeah. Because they eat babies. That's right. 
Okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. Reel it in. We're starting to get silly again. Yeah. Remember, yeah. we were going to be serious now. Right. Okay, so here's something serious. Uh, at the end, when Dylan and Trance have their whole conversation, um, which we can talk about that later, but leading up to that, uh, speaking of plants, right? So Trance has this plant that is from Samsara. The last one. The last one, yeah. apparently. I forget what his name was, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's the Samsara something something vine, right? Right. Okay. A lot of vines in this universe. Well, yeah. Okay. Vines, they, they grow like crazy, you know? <laughs> yeah. I wonder if the kudzu has survived I don't know. in I'm, this universe. I'm sure figure, it has. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it has. I'd figure there'd be more ferns. Because they can survive anything, right? No. No? No. Ferns oh. are extremely delicate. Well, that's just because you're terrible at keeping care of them. I, there is not a green thumb anywhere on this body. Yeah. Um, I want to know, what is the significance of Trance having this plant from Samsara? How did she get it? One of the colonists brought it up in the evacuation. Did they? Sure. Okay. You say, sure. <laughs> as in, you're making this up as you go. That was, I thought, I'm proud of myself for being off the cuff that I quick. am too. Right. I am too. That was great. Um, I don't remember any of them actually coming onto the ship, though. They all went oh, on surely to the they had to have. frigates and freighters. and All they did was, was get up off the planet in their ships, and, and they got kind of cordoned off to one side, mm-hmm. I'm sure. Uh, and then as the, the space battle, you know, the, as that dispersed and the fleet separated, uh, either, we know there was one that was damaged. Um, they had to go pick it up, I'm sure, and uh, help them the rest of the way. And... Yeah, she got a plant out of the deal. Okay. I mean, I don't remember anybody coming onto the Andromeda. That we saw. No, you're right, that we saw. So maybe there was something else going on. Even so... When did when did we see all of the crew's uh, uh, boarding shuttles arrive at Andromeda and the crew show up? Did we see any of that That was between fire? episodes. Right, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, even still, though, I'm, I'm wondering, okay... They just got there, right? We saw that at the beginning of the episode. So they didn't have time to go down there for her to get one of these plants. As far as we know, nobody from the surface came to the Andromeda directly, though it's true we don't know that for sure. Let's say somebody did come to the Andromeda. Yeah. Uh, One of the transports did come there. Why did they bring one of these plants? And if they did bring one of these plants... How did Trance get it? Because she's kept herself isolated in the Maru the whole time. That's true. That's true. I'm I'm going to backtrack. Okay. And I'm going to change my story. All right. All right. So Trance... You realize you're losing credibility every time you do that. Trance loves plants. Yes. True. That rhymes. So let's just assume for a moment that this particular vine that she has from Samsara is a popular plant throughout the galaxy. And maybe she has ordered one through, you know, uh, Commonwealth Amazon mm-hmm. and has had it delivered at some point. All right. Obviously, they they do seed delivery right. by courier. Yeah. Because how did Deer get his thing? Right. Exactly. So she's already had this. And we know she has a collection in her arboretum. Mm-hmm. So she has had this thing already. Right. That's why it's there. Okay. All right. I like that. The reason I like that is because I thought of that okay and i thought that you might say that um i like your story 
and now I'm going to destroy it. I kind of like the colonists bringing it, though, so I'm willing to jump ship and go to the other one if I need be. If need be. <laughs> All right. Well, let me You're tell you. You're not going to pin me down. On I've this. already told you why that one doesn't work. Is because Trance right, has kept right. herself isolated in the Maru, so there's no way that she would have got this plant from them. Yes. Um, but I'm just saying that Dylan and her could have had this conversation hours after the battle, and they could have picked up a wayward evacuation ship without us seeing it. Maybe. Okay. Well, what's your what's your world-destroying explanation? Well, the whole idea you're saying that this is something that she already had, right? Um, Space Amazon, yeah. If that were the case, then why does Dylan go in to her plant room and immediately spot that plant and say, what's that? That's true. I don't find Dylan to be the type of... Dylan does not strike me as the type of soldier that in his uh, free time Mm -hmm. is studying botany to be able to recognize something. Mm -hmm. Of course, he doesn't really call it by name. He just says, what's that? Right. Okay. And that's my point, is that he recognizes it as something different, something that was not there the last time he was there. No, hold on. That's not necessarily the case. He may just, she may have just brought it out front and center because this is the last of its kind. Mm -hmm. And now she's tending to it. It's on her mind. What just happened is on her mind. And so she's tending to this one plant because this is the one last piece of that planet that she has some sort of control over that she can keep alive, keep Mm -hmm. going. All right. And so she has it out. And of course, Dylan might walk in and, oh, hey, what's that plant? I don't see it. Okay. <laughs> Agree to disagree? I, I mean, for one thing, I don't I don't really buy that Dylan's going to walk in, see a plant sitting there, um, whether it's brand new, whether it has been there for years, or whether she just brought it out. I still don't see Dylan looking at a plant and going, please, tell me about this plant. <laughs> uh, oh, you just got back from a trip? Please, show me your slides. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. No, I, I get it. I get All right. it. Yeah, it seems a bit far fetched. I, yeah. I I don't find it as unbelievable as you do though. Well, it's just how do we force this conversation to happen? You know what I mean? Very bluntly, yeah. as this show has demonstrated time and time again. Yeah. All right. All right. That's all I'm getting at. Is okay. I don't I don't know why this plant is on the ship. If it is on the ship, if it's been on here for years, fine. If it just got here, how did it get here? I don't believe that. And why is Dylan noticing it and wanting to talk about it now? Right. I don't buy that. I'm just, okay, that's fine. Yeah. That's fine. I'm just saying I can look at it and say, hey, we've got options here. There are ways that it could have happened. Yeah. That, that I don't I hear, have to be terribly concerned about. I hear all of your options. I hear all of your rewrites and retcons, and I say no to all of them. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, we're at an impasse. It doesn't then. make we any should, sense. We should move on. All right. Fine. Let's talk about the Pyrians. All right. Um, so the Pyrians are now backed by Trance's people? Um, that seems like a fair change in power. Does it? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, Trance's people are backing the Commonwealth. This is our best hope for surviving the Armageddon that is coming, barreling at us in the form of a Magog world ship. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait. We have no faith in the Commonwealth. Smart people. That aside, just completely turned to the Pyrians? Yeah. Uh, how are they going to foster life 
as we know it in the universe. It's all going to be ammonia-based, basically, from Whoa, that point forward. Wait a minute. What do you mean, life as we know it? I'm sorry. Are, that, are, my carbon chauvinism is coming out. They're <laughs> my carbon, oxygen, too. Well, my oxygen-breathing yeah. chauvinism is coming out, yeah. I mean, you're saying life but, but as I'm we saying, know it. Do we not know the Perians? Life as we are are familiar with and used to. Okay. The trans people are just going to say, okay, well, no more oxygen breathers. Let's give everything the Perians want to the Perians, and mm-hmm. they're going to convert it to atmosphere. First of all, I, I, I kind of got a little up in arms about Dylan destroying a planet in order to win a battle. Yeah. But it was going to happen anyway. Yeah. Because nothing that was on that planet was going to survive the terraforming that the Perians were going to do to it. So the planet was lost one way or the other. Well, but we're not going to just give them Samsara. We're going to give them how many hundreds of other planets they were making a move on? I mean, this seems like a pretty It's man, that's a that's a huge shift in power in the in the galaxies. Okay, so wait a minute. You're saying we're going to give them these hundreds of other planets? I mean, is that what they did? That's what it sounded like that when Admiral Hamsa comes on screen, he's like, it's not just here, it's happening right. in other galaxy, other parts of the galaxies as well. Right. And But that's the thing, is that that's what brings the Perians to the bargaining table, is by them destroying Samsara and saying, this is the line, right? Okay, you don't cross this line, we're going to blow it up, and we're going to fight to the death to defend this planet. And that's what brings the Perians to say, okay, we can talk. Yeah. Right? They weren't going to talk before. Right. And I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not disputing that. Right. My, my beef is with the fact that a people that were backing the Commonwealth suddenly switch sides and say, all right, we're going to back these other people. Yeah. And they want more planets, so we're going to let them just take them. And kill everything that's on those planets already. Oh, man, that's not what I see happening here at all. Really? Yeah. What do you see happening What I here? see happening is trans people are playing the Perians. Oh. They're saying, yeah. yeah, come in here and take all of this. We're going to give you all this intel. And then Trance comes to Dylan and says, it all has to stop here. Samsara, Right. This is where it has to stop. You cannot let them have it. Right? How does she know that? So, so From her people. Yeah. So you're saying that all of this, trans people were not going to allow the terraforming en masse to, ha- to take place. I don't know if they cared either way if that happens okay. or not. But what this was, and, and I get it. I, I recognize that part of it. This was them bluffing Dylan and just, just, just to see how far he would go to do the thing that needed to be done. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if bluff is necessarily the right word, because, I mean, they were willing. I think they didn't. Maybe it is the right word. They didn't think that he was going to go that far. Right. Okay. So, so <laughs> okay. So if he doesn't go that far and he allows the Perians to take this planet. Right. What's stopping them from the dozens of other worlds that they're going to terraform also? Absolutely nothing. Okay. Yeah. But but to them, that's just a that's just a small mathematics issue. Right. So, so what's happening here then is Trance's people, they see the Perians as being a powerful ally to the Commonwealth. Yeah. Right? So they don't say that, okay, the Perians are going to be the ones to stop the Magog. 
if they did, then who cares what happens with the oxygen breathers? Yeah. Let the Perians take over because they're going to be the ones that are going to be in full force and the strongest ones to defend against the Magog and take down the Abyss, which is ultimately what we're looking at, right? Yeah. Um, but that's not what happens here. Instead, what happens is the Commonwealth and Dylan make a stand at Samsara. That brings the Perians to the bargaining table. So now there's a dialogue that's opened. Yeah. They can work together. Yeah. It's, it's the beginnings of a relationship between the two that has never existed. Except that I don't see it going that way. I see the Perians going to the bargaining, bargaining table, drawing up a, a treaty, but secretly being mad at the Commonwealth for standing up to them and being oxygen breathers. Mm-hmm. And two, being mad at Trance's people because they got played as pawns. It could be. Yeah. If, I mean, if, I mean that's, if, that's the if, way I see it. If now. they know that they're being played by Trance's people. Okay. I don't know. I, I don't I don't know either. Yeah. We we don't get that answer. Well, we don't and it's really confusing too because we keep we get the idea at the beginning that this this female figure that is communicating with Dylan um is supposed to be like a humanoid projection from the Perians because it would be more familiar to him, right? But then later we're given to assume or to think that um, this is one of Trance's people. Yeah, it looked like him. It yeah. looked like Trance. Right. Yeah. I mean, and that's what that's what it's telling us, is that yeah. this, these are Trance's people that's talking to Dylan. Or is it the Perians talking to Dylan via Trance's people or the other way around? Uh, I, I view, here's how I viewed it. Okay. Uh, that, that lady that was talking to them mm-hmm. was on one of the Pyrian ships. Basically, she's Locutus. Okay. She's a figurehead. All right. You know, a, a mouthpiece for All the right. Pyrians. So Star Trek's been broken. <laughs> hey, it has. Yeah. And I did it. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. Okay. But yeah, that's how I viewed it. She's just, she's there for the sole purpose of talking to the humans and, 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 also kind of showing their hand just a little okay. bit. And for those of you who are not familiar with Locutus, stop watching this show and listening to us and go watch Star Trek The Next Generation, The Best of Both Worlds, Parts 1 and 2. Yes. Go ahead. There you go. It was killing you, wasn't it? Yeah. Okay. Now that that PSA is done. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I feel bad for the Perians, actually, because they make this play. This is their play for power. They've obviously put a lot of material toward making this thing happen. It doesn't. They're forced to go to the bargaining table, and they've been played. Yeah. By trans's people. Yeah. So I kind of feel bad for them. So well, if they if they go to make a ruckus later on down the line, I think they kind of have the right. Right. Well, everyone's been played. Yeah, that's that. This is true. I mean, Dylan makes that quite clear. He's he's not happy with trans's people. That's true. That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, can we talk about a little bit about some of the interplay of the different relationships we had in the show? Yeah, sure. Okay. Uh, Trance and Tear. Was that not weird? I mean, it makes sense on one level. Yeah. But they've always kind of gotten along pretty well. Even when Trance is being her most enigmatic mm-hmm. and Tear is being his most Nietzschean, <laughs> they've always kind of been civil toward one another. Yeah. But it's like... Tear had no patience whatsoever mm-hmm. for anything Trance was saying or doing. 
I, I don't know. I, it, it felt like a little bit of a 180 in their, in their relationship together. But I kind of get the sense that we're, this is happening with several of the crew members anyway, with tear it tear definitely seems like he is less, uh, tolerant of the people that are around him right now for some reason. Hmm. I don't know. I mean, it seems like what what I saw in this episode is Tyr wants people to to do their jobs. Um, yeah, and he, and he wants them to do what they're supposed to do. Um, he barks at Becca because she wants to take the Maru down on the rescue. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, and he's very vocal. And I just want to say about that scene, Keith Hamilton Cobb acted as if he was irritated just to be act, just to be asked to act in that scene. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the the irritation was just, yeah, it was dialed to 11 for mm-hmm. that scene and several others. Yeah. All right. And maybe that's been brought on by trance. He was already irritated. True. Right. True. And now you got somebody else that's wanting to now do something stupid. Right. <laughs> right. Just because this is the kind of thing that Becca likes to go do. Yeah. I'm not really sure how, how leading a squad, maybe that's, okay, that's the thing. That's, is leading it leading a squadron of fighters that's what she doesn't like if she was out there on her own oh yeah maybe with a couple of her buddies yeah she's having a great time yeah okay all right i just answered my own question so yeah you kind of did forget i I even said that i could see where it was coming up and then i saw the answer there and yeah yeah, you handled that brilliantly thank you you. i appreciate that excellent points well made (laughs) (laughs) i am now convinced thank you this is kind of going into another point that I had. So I'm just going to go ahead and tie the two in. Yeah, go for it. All right. He wants people to do what they're supposed to be doing, right? Um, to be responsible for their actions, be ready for whatever is coming next, okay? Um, it starts out with trance. We joked about it at the beginning of this episode, our whole bit that we did there. Uh, I, I just wanted all of the listeners to know I am not upset with Ethan about spacing out there. We were doing a bit. <laughs> we were acting. <laughs> all right. Um, I don't know. My feelings are a little hurt. A little. Well, that just means I did a good job. Well, you can buy me an ice cream later. All right. Sparky Cola. Sparky Cola. Yeah. There all right. Um, yeah. Trance. She's just out of nowhere. Stuff starts heating up. And she's, hey, Dylan, I don't feel so great. Yeah. Yeah, that... And then maybe just, Maybe it's not Tear that I have so much a problem with. Trance really does kind of flake out completely. Yeah. she And and I get it. She has her whole next level whatever that she has going on, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. It, it's Trance, and then it's Dylan. Um, I really feel like Dylan should have reacted... The same way that I responded to you at the beginning of this episode. <laughs> you don't feel great? Cool. I get that. Suck it up. You need to do your job for the next three hours because we are in the middle of a battle. Yeah. Yeah. We're recording a stupid podcast that 100 people listen to, right? <laughs> More than that. I know. Uh, I don't know. But anyway, you look at the numbers. I don't. I'm making yeah. stuff up. The point is, they're in battle yeah they are in a battle situation if anybody needs to understand how important this is it's trance right okay so the first time i'm watching through i'm thinking okay maybe she has to go back to the morrow to be with her plants 
she she mentions something about that. She wants to be with her plants. She's got to clip her uh, exactly her her, 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 her bonsai, bonsai tree. tree. Yeah. yeah, so let's go clip the bonsai tree. See what can happen, right? Okay, um, but no, she just goes back to her room and just spaces. Yeah. Okay. I, I guess maybe that's when she makes contact with her people through her right ultra high frequency whatever that is. I don't know if she does that through the ship's communication system or if that's just something that the sensors picked up. I really don't know exactly how that happened, right. when it happened. Uh, we don't really get an answer. All we know is that she contacted them. Still, I think that, yeah, Dylan has the conversation with her at the end of the episode, but I think that's a conversation that needs to happen. No, that's a conversation that needs to happen later. I take that back. That yeah. is a conversation that needs to happen later. Mm -hmm. But on the command deck, when she makes that request, hey, can I go lay down? No. No, there's protocols. <laughs> no, you may not. Yeah. We have Perians shooting missiles at us. Yeah. I mean, she didn't look like she was that sick. No. You know, she looked like a petulant child. Yeah. Dil or uh, Tear, I'm I'm sorry. Tear asks her. So, what are your symptoms? Right. <laughs> well, I don't really want to talk about it. I just want to go back to my plants. Right. Yeah. Um, and I've, I I am employed. I am gainfully employed. There have been times when I have been at my place of employment, and started to not feel that well. Mm -hmm. Right. You've been there. Yeah, I've been there. Yeah. Recently. Yeah. And you think, oh man. I'm starting to not feel good. Mm -hmm. I've told my boss, man, I'm starting to not feel good. And you get that look. No, we do, we have an understanding. Oh, okay. And the understanding is, yeah, life sucks sometimes. <laughs> well, okay, that's that's the look. <laughs> that's the look. I mean, you know, I don't feel that great. You get that look. Oh, yeah, that, yeah, sucks to be you. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And I don't expect another reaction. Yeah, you know, because it's hey, we're adults. We have a job that we need to do. Yeah. And we just do it, yeah. You know, so so are, are we are, are we circling around to how we felt about the episode, and how our characters were presented here, or, or are we or are we just making a point? I just I don't want to go that far. Okay, I'm just saying I really have a problem with the way both Trance and Dylan handled this situation. Yeah, I agree. Um, Trance never should have said I need to go. You know, right. unless she is vomiting all over the command deck floor, unless she has blood coming out of her eyes, you know. Yeah. No. And, and Dylan should have been a captain at that moment. Yeah. When she asked. Right. Hey, we have we have a thing right. to take care of here. Mm hmm. Clear and present danger. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If they're just out there cruising around, checking out a system. Hey, Dylan, I don't feel great. OK, cool. Take the rest of the day off. Yeah. Know. Yeah, not the like time a, and place. No. No, I, I agree. Uh, she says something to Becca, though, and I think it was interesting. She says, we all get lost sometimes. Things don't make sense, but eventually things will make sense again. Mm. I thought that was interesting. And it kind of made me think, is this a metaphor for the show that we're watching? Ooh. Because last episode you got excited because we got reference and pictures of the magog world ship mm -hmm. i got excited in this episode because 
it wasn't just flashbacks to the Magog world ship. It was, hey, this thing is still coming. Mm-hmm. We have to take care of this thing when it arrives. Mm-hmm. And for me, that was exciting because it was like the show saying, hey, we might have been lost for a little while. Things might not have made full sense to you. But, hey, we, we've got this focus back. And we're going to take care of this. That you're you're going to see a conclusion to this story. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was kind of cool. So I, I thought it was interesting that Trance brought that up in episode, because I almost feel like that's the writers. And by the way, the writers were Ashley Edward Miller and Zach Stentz okay. for this episode. I didn't go over that in trivia. But they were the writers for this one. This is one of their last episodes together that they're going to collaborate on. And... It almost feels like they're telling the audience, hey, stick with it, because that thing that you remember that we alluded to last week when Rev Bim was on the show, yeah, remember that because it's still barreling toward you, and we need a resolution to that story. And I thought that was kind of cool. Okay. That's how I kind of read that saying, even though she meant something totally different for Becca. Okay. All right. So a little bit about our characters here. I think we should probably talk about Becca just a little bit. Her leadership style. There's a what little leadership style. Well, see, that's the thing. We have some character development here, and not really character development as much as character exploration, um, some discussion. Okay, hold on. Yeah. So let me let me see if I can surmise Becca's leadership style. All right. Do your job. Yeah. Don't salute me or treat me like a respectable captain or or, or uh, authority figure. Mm-hmm. But listen to me when I tell you what to do and treat me in your response like an authority figure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Does that, does that about, about sum it up for you? Yeah, I guess so. Uh, it's like what, this is one of the very few scenes that we get with Harper um, talking about, you know, the spit and polish. Yeah. Right. He, the, yeah. They, the, that's what, that's what they're not used to. Um, well, and they're still not because they're not wearing uniforms still. Yeah. Right. Harper's in an awful t-shirt. Uh, Beck is wearing sure. a wife beater. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is not a polished crew. Mm-hmm. So it's funny that Harper should say spit and polish because they're not anywhere close to that. Well, that's his whole point is that they're, that's what they're not used to. And that's what this new, this high guard is supposed to be. I mean, it's a military institution. Yeah. Um, they're not that. But she still has... She still has a sense of command. She's still able to lead. Yeah, so what is her status in the in the command structure? Well, she's Captain Valentine. First officer of Andromeda. Yeah. But she has no rank. So how how do how do how do all of those people that are now on Andromeda, at least this week, mm-hmm. how do they treat her in the command structure? I mean, we, we see glimpses of it, mm-hmm. and she doesn't like it. She doesn't want to be in that position. Well, it doesn't matter if she likes it or not. That's where she is. Yeah. And she has to get used to it. But it, I guess the point that I'm circling around to making is Dylan should have told Trance, suck it up and do your job. Mm-hmm. He needs to have that same conversation with Becca Valentine, right. I think. Let people salute you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's protocol here. Uh-huh. Don't stand in the way of it. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, but then again, maybe Dylan recognizes, I'm sure he does, he recognizes that she's not military. She's... Yeah, but then that's when you have to step in and say, this is a military ship. 
there's a there's a structure, there's a hierarchy. Protocols have to be followed. Mm-hmm. If you don't fit in it, you don't fit in. <laughs> but yeah. they're but they're going to make allowances. Yeah. But would there be a new high guard without Becca and the contributions that she has made in helping Dylan? No. No, there wouldn't be. And right. we wouldn't have much of a show. Right. So then maybe she's got a little bit of leeway there. Yeah, that is true. Yeah. Whether she's demanded it or if it's just Dylan saying, you know what, you guys back off of her. Yeah. Just she doesn't have to wear a uniform. You know. No, I, I see it. I just don't yeah. like it. Okay. I mean, Dylan, of course, he's going to be right in because, I mean, he, he never stopped wearing his uniform. Right. <laughs> well, I don't know. Did he? He basically was wearing just kind of an athletic shirt, at oh. least at the start of this episode. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Maybe he was working out. Yeah, he might have been. Yeah. Playing some basketball. Sure. Yeah. High intensity go. Could, yeah. Could you, could you burn calories playing go? I don't think you can. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. Who knows? Yeah. Maybe if you're like acting as the pieces jumping around. Sure. Like a, a huge board. They should have space on Andromeda for it. Well, I don't know. I don't know how many people are on there now. Yeah. Well, it seemed like thousands. This week, it would be a little crowded. It would to be. do something like that. You yeah. know. But you could also play 10-man basketball. Yeah. Okay. You know what's happening right now? What's happening? We're starting to get silly again. Yeah, we are. Okay. Let's reel it back. Okay. All right. Uh, I got something that we can talk about. We have a quote. Yes. Yes, okay. we do. So, do you remember Admiral Costanza Stark? George can't stand you, Stark. Can't stand you. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, I do remember Admiral Stark. No. It's not George Costanza. It's anybody. Not really oh, okay. George Costanza. Right, right, yeah, right. Admiral Costanza Stark. Um, we kid, people. We kid. Um, Costanza Stark, which was um, Sarah's... Um, hmm. What was she sure. again? She was high up in the high guard. Yeah. Back in the day. Admiral. 300 years um, ago. She was Dylan's admiral back yeah. before the fall. Sent, sent him on that mission to Mobius. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yes. And was also the mother of of Dylan's fiance. Oh, that's right, too. Yeah. I forgot that point. Right. Okay. Yeah. So what All point right. did she have for us? So anyway, someone that we know very well in lore, yeah. though we don't actually know her. Okay. I no, will... no, no, we saw her on screen. She was in that episode oh, when she yeah, sends Dylan right. to Mobius. You're right. Yeah. You're right. I'm anyway, an idiot. So we're familiar with her. Yeah. Okay. Um, so anyway, this was a quote from Costanza Stark back in Commonwealth year 9758. She says, I've always found a fully deployed battle group to be the most effective negotiator. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's a good saying. I like it. <laughs> if I, if I can go, um, yeah. but it also works for the periods as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, the point of our spear was Andromeda and it, it did its job admirably. It held out against the period fleet and eventually with the help of the Commonwealth fleet coming in, brought the periods to the negotiating table. So yeah, I, I would say that that as Admiral Stark presents it. That's a very accurate statement. Um, I would, yeah, I'd agree that uh, to a large degree, this is probably true. Um, I'm not necessarily sure that I like that it's true. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Um, I think a lot of people would agree that, you know, hey, 
can't we all just get along and not have to use military force? Yeah. Uh, but unfortunately, in in this world that we live in and in the universe that our characters exist in, um, this it's the way things are done. It, it almost that saying almost goes hand in hand with who was it? Was it Theodore Roosevelt? Uh, oh, yeah. Speak softly and carry a big stick. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes the person with the bigger stick gets to dictate terms at the negotiating table. Right. Uh, we've seen that play out throughout history, and right. not necessarily in good ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it, it can it can work to the advantage of many. It can also work to the detriment of some. <laughs> well, yeah, sure. I mean, another way of reading this is just the old expression: "Might means right." Yeah, yeah. And that isn't doesn't always work out the best. No, no, especially if it's the wrong people that have the might. You know, serious oppression. We've seen that all through history. Yeah, we've seen it all through the made up history in our Andromeda universe. So yeah, I mean, it can be a force for good, and it can be a force for just absolutely terrible. Yeah, uh, it also reminds me of the the phrase: uh, "He who lives by the sword." would die by the sword and i think about what was admiral stark's eventuality did they win that war that she was involved in no oh yeah <laughs> and were they negotiated with i don't think so oh yeah who, who had a large army uh, the nietzscheans oh yeah had a large army right and uh we're not interested in going to the negotiating table right. so it didn't exactly work out for stark yeah but it's true for it, better or for worse yep it's it's not wrong. Kind of undeniable. Yeah. Unfortunately, Unfortunately so. Unfortunately so. Yeah. yeah. And let's put the stamp on that. All right. Okay. So let's go ahead and uh, round this one out here. Um, episode 60, The Point of the Spear. What are your final thoughts on this episode? Ryan, I, I've been very critical of many of the more recent episodes that we've had. And I've got to say... This was a refreshing change of pace, uh, considering the last, what, three, four episodes that we've gone over. I thoroughly enjoyed this one. Uh, first of all, let me just say, the CG work, while not absolutely the best, it wasn't top shelf by any means, but it was good. And you could tell that they put a lot of effort into quite a number of the shots. It was good enough so that I felt like there was an actual battle taking place. And I got to see some of the ships, and I got to see a lot of things in space and moving parts and explosions, and it worked for me. And so I've got to say that uh, the the CG team that's working on Andromeda is... uh, It's a school, is what it is. And the students that were working on this particular episode, those were their star pupils. (laughs) And they did a great job with the CG work that was going into it. Um, Like I said, not the best, but considering some of the stinkers we've had in previous episodes, this was great. And it did not at all take me out of the storytelling that was taking place. That being said, we have a lot of times have had episodes where the action was just there for action's sake. And I didn't really feel that this time either. It was written well, and the story held up, and the action that was taking place made sense in the context of the story that was being told. And and so I appreciated that as well. That said, I kind of had a problem with Keith Hamilton Cobb. There was a couple of times where his acting was not great. He, to me, came across too over the top, too irritated, 
too angsty. But it wasn't enough to take me out of the, the storytelling that was taking place. I, I, I really enjoyed the interplay between Dylan and Trance and Trance and Tear. And it led for uh, to some interesting discussion between you and I. So you know, for all of these things and for some of the bad that's out there, it's a good episode. The only thing that isn't answered for me that I really don't get is why didn't the Pyrians just blockade the planet and stay there after they put their generators on the surface of the planet? Why would they back up? I guess all that does is lend to your, your theory that trances people are actually just playing the Pyrians and told them to back off because there was no strategy in that move whatsoever. That aside, mm-hmm. great episode. I liked it. I enjoyed it. All through watching this episode and all through my taking notes of this episode and all through my discussion of this episode with you and all through listening to your final analysis of this episode, I've been trying to figure out what to say at this part of the show. And I'm thinking that maybe that is kind of my answer. I cannot decide really where I fall on this episode. So I guess if I'm going to say if it's a scale of 1 to 10, I must be somewhere around a 5. Because I can't, I can't really fault it too terribly bad um, to, for it to make, for, to make me say that, yeah, I don't like this episode. But there's also not that overwhelming feeling that usually comes over me when I say, man, this was a great episode. I really loved this. To me, it was one of those episodes that probably needed to happen because there were a lot of things in here that, at least for right now, seems like they're important going forward, right? Now we have the Pyrians involved. Um, We have communication with Trance's people. Who are Trance's people, right? We know Trance is something, something beyond whatever the rest of our crew is. Um, she has Some people. thing. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of interesting stuff going on here. Um, I guess I'm not huge into dogfights. So it's kind of one of the reasons why, you know, you and some other friends of ours that we know love, for example, A New Hope. Like, think it's one of the better of the Star Wars movies. Mm -hmm. I don't like A New Hope as much as the rest of you do because there's so much dogfighting in it. Yeah. Um, So there was a lot of this, a lot of this air space combat. Um, Air, Air space combat? Just space combat. Well, I was I was com- <laughs> comparing it to dogfights. <laughs> right, right, right. Okay. I, yeah. So, yeah. So, there are a lot of this space combat, um, flying around in ships and, and all of that stuff, and which is, is fine. It's cool. Um, it's not one of those things that just really draws me in. And that's not any fault of this story. That's just me. Right? So can I take that away from this story and say, oh, this was not a good episode because they had space battles? No. No, that's not fair. So, yeah, I mean, everything they did in it, I think it was effective. It was it was good. It was well written for the most part, except for a few things that were kind of confusing. Uh, like you say, the beginning of it. Why are we here? When did we get here? 
and what's going on? How do we get ourselves into this situation? Not really sure. Um, kind of some of the stuff with Tear. I don't like a lot of stuff that they did with Trance, and I don't like how Dylan handled some of that stuff. I thought that Becca had a... You talk about just unneeded, quirky one-liners. Becca had several through this. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there were some things that I kind of had a problem with. It, it doesn't kill the episode for me. Yeah. So... It also there weren't enough there wasn't enough good to put me over the top and say yeah I really like this episode can, can, yeah can I take a swing at trying to persuade you toward the light side and and liking this episode okay you've convinced me one one thing oh at the very least and maybe it's not so much the episode itself mm-hmm. maybe it's this episode of this podcast that we've done okay maybe this can help you think positively about it I've I've got a new saying when I want to go somewhere. And not describe in detail what I'm going to go do there to someone when I excuse myself. I now have a new saying. Okay. I'm going to clip the bonsai tree. <laughs> Does that help? Uh, Does it move no. the needle a little bit? No. No? No. Okay. It's funny. Yeah. You know, it's like for you and me and our listeners. But, but it doesn't help the episode itself. No. No. And that's doesn't. fine. That's yeah. fine. No. And you know what? And I and I want to I want to be perfectly clear on this. I'm not... This is this is one of those situations where I feel like it's me, not the episode. You're just neutral on it. And most of the time when I don't I'm not crazy about an episode, it's because of the episode. <laughs> right? It's it's not it's not me, it's you. Okay. Yeah. Right. Um I don't know. But you're but you're not saying I, that this time. You're saying it's not you, it's it's it's, it's me. me. It's yeah, me. Okay. And I can't that's what I'm saying is that from the very beginning of this I've try I've been trying to figure out how do I put into the words how I really feel about this episode. And I just can't do it. Okay. I don't know what it is. You know what I can't articulate it. Ryan, yeah. Stop yourself. All right. We are the experts on are Andromeda. We? Are we? We're the only voice out there in the wilderness. Okay. If you, you don't have to have an answer for every episode. All right. I'm just going to let you know. They, All right. Take that weight off your shoulders. <sighs> All right. So it's just, it's there. Yeah. It's an episode watch, that happened. Watch it if you want. Yeah. But you don't have to. Well, I don't know. I mean, it could be that there are things in this episode that if they play out the way they're setting them no, up. No, no, no. You're overanalyzing. Am I? For you. Oh, okay. Can you watch this episode again? Do you want to watch this episode again? No. Okay. Take a, take a deep breath. Breathe in. All right. Breathe out. We good here? Yeah. For now? Sure. Okay. All right. You're wrong, but okay. Oh. <laughs> oh, boy. But that's just me talking. All right. Wouldn't we like to hear from others, though? We would like to hear from others. You're right. And, uh, Ethan, would you mind telling me and our listeners if someone did want to get in contact with us to convince me of why I should love or hate this episode and not just be totally lukewarm on it, then uh, how might how might one do so? Well, they could do so by sending an email uh, to drivebackthenightpodcast at gmail.com. And just let me say... Uh, shout out to all of you. We've had several emails in the last couple of months from uh, from several listeners. Certainly appreciate those. Thank you for the well wishes. And uh, yeah, we, we, we're going to keep doing this. Don't worry. We're, we're, we're here. 
You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter to get all the latest up-to-date information. We are at AndromedaPod at both of those locations. We're also on Podbean, podbean.andromedaseries. Other way around. Shoot. (laughs) Andromedaseries. Andromedaseries.podbean.com, where we also do have a tip jar there on that page, as well as every episode of Drive Back the Night that we have done. Uh, Ryan, they're shutting iTunes down. What? Yes, they are shutting iTunes down. So uh, don't give us stars. Don't give us reviews there. However, you can find us on Apple Podcast. And as of about a year ago, and I'm just catching up to this, you can find us on Player FM. That's player.fm, and you can search Drive Back the Night, and you can find us there. What? Okay, now that one actually was new information to me. I was joking about the iTunes thing, but what? <laughs> Okay, I didn't know that. Thank you for letting us know that. And also... It's it's what we're here for. Yeah. And also, good thanks to our big friend, Doug Anderson, for lending us his voice at the beginning of this episode for the opening quote, as he always does. We are an Age of Geek production. Age of Geek... Dot Podbean. Nope. Age of Geek dot Podbean dot com. That's right, and we hope that you will join us back here again next time as we look at Vault of the Heavens. 